I've never turned down an opportunity to preach at Choctaw. Not once. I mean, it's got to the point that if Mike or Marty or John calls and say, we were wondering if I say yes. So well, we didn't even tell you what we want you to do. I don't care. I'll do it. Uh, I, I love this congregation very much. I feel at home, and it's more than just my association with Bible Talk. I'm obviously uh, grateful to be a part of the Bible Talk team now, but it goes way, way back before that. Uh, several of your members come out to Lake Eufaula and visit and stop in for services, and I've had that connection, and I've spoken here several times before, but uh, it's mainly because you just you make me feel so welcome. I feel very much a, a part of this congregation. I'm excited about the summer series, and I'm excited about my topic, courage, because we really don't talk a lot about courage. And so as I looked at the schedule, I was uh, glad to see that that was what I'm going to have, is uh, to talk about courage. The actual building bridges section starts next week, as you'll be talking about building bridges uh, between the church and the community and then after that, building bridges with the unchurched and then with the culture, uh, between generations, between command and traditions, uh, be, uh, and bridges in the home. So those are the, the actual building of the bridges. That's going to start next week. But what we've been talking about the last three weeks and then today is the tools that you will need to build with. You've heard about the tool of love already and the tool of patience, and the tool of faithfulness. And then tonight we're going to talk about the tool of courage. I have a tool with me, and if you know what this is, please be very quiet, because I bet a lot of people don't know what this is. This is an actual tool that I have used. I'll try to describe it to you. This, uh, this silver section here is very stiff. feels like it's, it's solid uh, Metal, and then there's another solid piece here. But right here in the middle is a is a spring that makes it flex. And then there's another silver spring right there. And when when you squeeze these three arms together, that spring moves up and down. At the end of each of the arms is a piece of stone, like a a sharpening stone, and that is an actual tool. And I'm not going to tell you what it is until the very end. It'll let you think about it a little bit. That's going to be hard for you to Google, so uh, you'll have to use your brain a little bit maybe. But uh, tools don't do us any good if we don't know what they are and if we don't know how to use them, right? And so I want to talk to you about the tool of courage. I want to talk to you about what it is specifically and how to use it. I don't know what you think of when you think about courage, I heard a story about in World War II that Winston Churchill, when the Nazis were invading France, he sent his elite troops over to France to stop Hitler. And they failed miserably, if you know your history. They were completely ineffective at stopping Hitler's panzer tanks as they swept from the south of France and pushed the English, the French, and the Belgian troops all the way up against the English Channel in the north of France. Churchill knew he needed to get those soldiers out of there. If they had been killed or captured, that would have been the end. There would be nobody to defend uh, Britain, and Hitler would have swept through uh, Britain and would have dominated Europe. 
he could get his destroyer ships into the English Channel, but he needed a bridge. He needed a bridge from the destroyers to the shore. He couldn't get the destroyers up close to the shore. He called on civilians, and 700 civilian fishing boats, yachts, sloops, anything that would float, 700 vessels went to rescue those soldiers. And they shuttled those soldiers from the coast of France out to the destroyers. It took them nine days to do that. During those nine days, they were under heavy fire. Shrapnel uh, bullets, uh, the, uh, uh, and I've, I'll probably mispronounce this, but the, the, the Luftwaffe, the, the German airplanes were bombing these defenseless civilians, and yet for nine days they shuttled those soldiers to the destroyer. Before it was all done, they saved 338,000 soldiers. That's courage. That took a lot of courage to do that. I want you to maybe get in your mind before we really get into the scriptures. And if you want to be turning to Deuteronomy, by the way, Deuteronomy chapter 1 is where we'll be. And I would be so honored if you would have an open Bible in front of you tonight. That would really make me feel at home. But I want you to think about a recent act of courage that you heard about or maybe witnessed. Or maybe did yourself. Maybe you did something that was very courageous. And I want you to have that on your mind. What is courage? What is a courageous act? What is the word courage? If I ask you to define what is courage. Courage comes from the Latin word core, which means heart. It's to have heart. Bravery. Intrepidity. It's the the quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness, unimpeded by fear. I didn't say without fear. I said unimpeded by fear or depression of spirit. You can be fearful and still be courageous as long as you don't let that fear stop you. Lots of Bible characters. I really struggled to... Uh, limit tonight and try to think about which characters. I thought about Moses. Moses was always obviously a, a man of great courage. It takes great courage to lead a nation. God used his tool of courage that he had to build a bridge between Egyptian bondage and out to the or toward the promised land. He didn't get to go into the promised land, but he went that way. His disobedience, Moses' disobedience, prohibited him from going into Canaan. But as he was transitioning, and when he knew he was not going to get to go into the promised land, he was told by God, you need to pass that courage on to Joshua. And that's who I want to talk about for the rest of the evening is Joshua. Joshua would be the man who would lead the Israelites across the Jordan. And he was going to need a lot of courage to do that. The book of Deuteronomy, which means second law, 
was written by Moses after they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. That first generation was unworthy in God's sight to go into the promised land because they doubted and only two people believed that they would be successful and that was Joshua and Caleb. The rest of them died in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. So this is a new generation. They needed to hear the law again. And so he's giving them this second law. And in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 34, it says, Then the Lord heard the sound of your words, and he was angry and took an oath, saying, Not one of these men, this evil generation, shall see the good land which I swore to give your forefathers. Except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it. And to him and to his sons I will give the land on which he has set foot. Because he has followed the Lord fully. The Lord was angry with me also on your account. He has to bring that up, doesn't he? On your account saying, not even you shall enter there. Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you. He shall enter there. Now notice what he tells him to do. Encourage him, for he will cause Israel to inherit it. Encourage him. We're commanded in the New Testament to encourage one another. What does that mean? That means to put courage back into a person who has had it taken away. All week long, the world takes courage out of us, doesn't it? And we assemble on Wednesday nights so that we can get recharged, so we can get that courage back. Those of our number who don't assemble on Wednesday night, I don't know how they make it, to be honest. I got to have this. I don't know about you, but man, Wednesday night, I need that recharge because the world is just is so heartless And it just rips at your faith. And we come together and we encourage one another. And God is telling Moses, you need to encourage Joshua. He's going to need a lot of courage if he is going to lead this people. Joshua and Caleb had already shown great courage. They were two of the 12 spies who were sent into the promised land just to see it, not to scope out and see whether they would be able to win the war. God had already told them, you're going to win. That was not their job. When he sent those 12 spies in, he just says, I want you to go see it and just come on back and just tell the people what kind of land they're going to inherit. But 10 of those spies says, oh man, we can't make it. Oh, it's terrible over there. Those people are so big. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes. I don't know how they knew that, do you? How do they know that? There's no way we could conquer that land. Yeah, it's beautiful land, but we could never do it. But Joshua and Caleb stood against them and said, We can most certainly take this. The Lord is with us. They had courage. I don't know Josh Basic, your speaker last week. I watched him online. Uh, did a great job. And uh, I appreciated him sharing with you last week while that story about when he was at OCU 
And he walked in and the students were talking with the professor about how awful Christianity is and, and how damaging it is. And he had an opportunity to speak up and to say something, and he didn't take that. you remember him sharing that, how, how disappointed he was with himself? I'm glad he shared that because I'll bet almost everybody in this room can relate to that story. I know I can. I've had opportunities where I walked away and said, man, why didn't I say this? Why? That was a great opportunity, and I missed that, and I just didn't have the courage to do that. It takes courage to stand up. And say, we most certainly can when others are saying we can't. It was time for Moses to to pass his courage on to Joshua. Look at chapter 3 of Deuteronomy. Let's read a little bit more here. Look at verse 21. I commanded Joshua at that time saying... Your eyes have seen all that the Lord your God has done to these two kings, so the Lord shall do to all the kingdoms into which you are about to cross. Do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. I also pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, you have begun to show your servants your greatness and your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do such works and mighty acts as yours? Let me, I pray, cross over and see the fair land that is beyond the Jordan, that good hill country and Lebanon. But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. And the Lord said to me, enough, speak to me no more. On this matter, go up to the top of Pisgah and lift your eyes to the west and to the north and the south and the east and see it with your eyes, for you shall not cross over this Jordan. But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go across at the head of this people. He will give them as an inheritance the land which you will see. You know, right up to the end, Moses was pleading with God, please, God, let me, let me go into the promised land. Let me see it. I brought the people this far. And God says, enough. Don't ask again. You cannot go. You can go up there to the top of the mountain. You can go look at it if you want, but you will not go. But what I want you to do is you need to encourage Joshua. He is going to need courage. He is going to need strength. It was time for Moses to stop praying for himself. Start transferring his strength, his energy, his courage to Joshua. You know, our courage builds bridges. And it comes from knowing the Lord, does it not? Isn't that what gives us courage? It just the more we know God, the more we understand that he is with us, that gives us a lot of courage. I can walk into a lot of situations if I know God's right there by my side. That gives you a lot of, hmm, I can do this. This is not a problem at all. Toward the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 31, if you'd join me there, please. 
Deuteronomy 31. Let's start with verse 3. It is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. He will destroy these nations before you and you shall dispossess them. Joshua is the one who will cross ahead of you, just as the Lord has spoken. The Lord will do to them just as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and to their land when he destroyed them. The Lord will deliver them up before you. And you shall do to them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you shall go with this people into the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall give it to them as an inheritance. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Both in verse 3 and in verse 8. God is very clear to explain, I'm not just going with you, I'm going in front of you. Now that gives us even more courage, doesn't it? I mean, I can go a lot of places if God's walking here beside me, but he's walking in front of me? Oh, I'll go anywhere. God's, he's paving the way. And that's what he's saying, I'm going to go in, I'm going to destroy these nations in front of you. You just have to go in there and dispossess them. Just take it. It's going to be yours. I promised it to your forefathers. Don't fear. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. Be strong. Over and over again, this message. You know, God had spent, as I mentioned, 40 years purging the Israelites of this negativity, of this rebellious generation. And now he's got a new generation that he is leading into the promised land. But he takes the time here to explain that even though this is a new generation, they're going to do the same thing the old generation did. Look at, starting in verse 16, still in Deuteronomy 31. The Lord said to Moses, Behold, you are about to lie down with your fathers, and this people will arise and play the harlot with the strange gods of the land into the midst which they are going, and will forsake me and break my covenant which I have made with them. Then my anger will be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they will be consumed, and many evils and troubles will come upon them, so that they will say in that day, Is it not because our God is not among us? that these evil have come upon us. God says, Moses, just giving you a little heads up, you're not going to have to worry about this. You're going to be dead, Moses. That's what he tells him. But this people, they're going to rebel against me. They're going to worship and serve the pagan gods in the land where they're entering. 
And when you read that, we think, well, no, that's impossible because God commanded them, when you go in, you're to totally obliterate, totally annihilate all the high places, wipe out Baal, wipe out the Asherah poles, destroy everything. Did they do it? They didn't. They worshiped the pagan gods. Why would you do that? Why would you? Worship a pagan God when you have God Almighty, the one true God. Why would you worship a pagan God? Of course, we, we do the same in so many ways today. You know, we read those passages about idolatry and we think, well, we don't have any problem with idolatry in America at least, right? We're probably the worst country when it comes to idolatry. Oh, we don't bow down and worship statues very often. But anything that you place above God is an idol, is it not? Money can be an idol. Sports can be an idol. Education can be an idol. Another person can be an idol. Anything that's more important to you than God is, is an idol. And if you love that thing more than you love God, you are an idolater. I won't ask for a show of hands how many idolaters we have in here, but... I think we've got some, some uh, thinking to do about do we really place... And I know we would never, especially in church, we wouldn't admit this, would we? That we place anything above God. No, God's first. But let me see your schedule and see if God's first. Let me see your checkbook. Ooh. Is God first? Let me see the way you pattern your life and the way you structure things. What has preeminence. Is it really God? We struggle with idolatry. They would become idolaters, and this was the people that Joshua was going to have to lead into the promised land. That's why Joshua would need that extra dose of strength. Look at verse 23, still in chapter 31. As he commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and correct. Be strong and courageous, for you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. How many of you watched the movie Courageous? Anybody here see that movie? Oh, not as many as I thought. Great movie. If you get a chance, watch that. It's a movie about four police officers, and one in particular... Has, uh, loses his daughter suddenly in a car accident. And it makes him think about the kind of father that he had been to her and to his son who was still living. And he talks with the other police officers about this and he decides he's going to make a vow to be a better husband and a better father. And the others join with him in this vow. And it, it changes their lives. Great show, but... The, the whole point of that is stressing the importance of how much courage it takes to be a good husband and a good dad. That takes courage. You have to be willing to stand in there. You have to be dedicated to what you're doing. If you're going to be a good husband to your wife, you need courage. You need strength. If you're going to be a good father to your children, that takes courage Go, go watch that movie, man. I'm surprised uh, more of you haven't seen that. That is really a good one. 
Courage comes from knowing that the Lord is with us. But the Lord is not with us if we turn off of the path. You know, God says, well, I'm going to be with you, and I'm even going to show you. Here's the way you go. Like, let's say it's this aisle right here. You just go right this way, and I'm going to be with you. But if we, not him, if we decide just to turn off that path, well, God's not going with us, is he? So we're the ones that, that harm our relationship with God. We didn't stay on the path. God says, just go this way and I'm going to be with you all of the way. Let's turn to the book of Joshua, which you may be excited to find out is only a couple of pages to the right. We find out in Joshua chapter 1 verse 1, it says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of of Moses, or the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, and he had several things to say to him. Let's drop down to verse 5. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you. Or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Man, where have we heard that before? (laughs) Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. So that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you like to be Joshua? (laughs) You ever thought about how hard that must be? How would you like to step into the shoes of Moses, follow in those footsteps, to step in and say, okay, you're going to lead the people now. Talk about pressure. I'm going to be with you, Moses. Or excuse me, Joshua. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be right here. He is assuring him. He's giving him strength, giving him courage. But he says in verse 7, you need to be careful. You need to be careful, Joshua. Joshua had been with Moses from the beginning. He had watched the way he served. He had been with him as Moses was being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He knew those books. He knew what righteousness was. And he's being told by God, you keep those on your mind, Joshua. Don't stray from the word. He tells him in verse 7, do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Neither is good. 
Man, there's, there's a phrase that uh, we hear a lot about today, right-wingers, left-wingers, you know, the right, the left. Are you a, a liberal or are you a conservative? <laughs> we, have, we like these labels. I just say, I, I'm just biblical. That's, that's what I am. I don't, I don't know what, what those are liberal, conservative, there's lots of different ideas. You ever notice that to, uh, to the liberals, you probably look conservative, and there's always somebody more conservative than you that thinks you're a liberal. You know, there's, that's, that scale just slides back and forth, and, and to try to figure out where's the right place to be on that is a waste of time. Just be biblical. Just, just follow the Bible. That's all we need to do. Don't, don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Just stay on the path. I know that's the goal of the elders of the Choctaw Church of Christ. I know that's what they want. I know that's what the ministers want. I know that's what the deacons want. Learn the path of God. Learn it for you and for your family and for your church family. And that do not veer off of that path to the right or to the left. And then he tells them in verse 8. Meditate on it day and night. I hope you are a a daily Bible reader. That's a good habit to have. We're so blessed to have Bibles. Uh, We had a a missionary from the Philippines. I was talking to him this week, and uh, he was telling me, when they get in a load of Bibles and they get to take those Bibles to people who have never had them, they like, they hug it, they're loving that, they're holding that Bible. They feel so fortunate to have the Word of God. How many of us have 9, 10, 11 Bibles at home? Don't raise your hand. But we, we're just, we got them all over the place. We got the app on our phone, right? We've, we got them everywhere. We have the Word of God. We have access to it, and we're so blessed. I hope you are a daily Bible reader. Meditate on it. Don't just read it, but meditate on it. Think about what it says, and do that day and night. I am running out of time. I I feel like, uh, I feel a little bit like the Hebrew writer. You know, he once said, and what more shall I say for... Time shall fail me if I talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword from weakness, were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection... Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and ghost dens, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God 
had promised, had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. I feel that way. There are just so many great examples. I think about Esther. There was a woman of God, tremendous courage. I do think about Gideon and how he took those, those men and they went to fight against the Midianite army and the Midianites were so, they looked like, like sand. There were so many of them. They covered the whole valley floor and all, all Gideon had was 32,000 people. And you know what God said? That's too many. That's too many. I'll tell you what. Just ask the ones that, I say, if you're trembling at all or you just want to leave, just go ahead and go home. And 22,000 of them went home. He had 10,000. You know what God said? Still too many. <laughs> That's too many. I'll tell you what. Take them down there to the stream and uh, just... I'll let you know which ones to keep. And he watched, and some of them would, would get their mouth in the stream, and they would, would uh, lap up the water like a dog. You know, I, I grew up in Colorado, and I used to hike through the mountains. And when you got to a mountain stream, it's just, you just want to throw your face in it. And so I could relate to that. You get your face in there, and you start lapping. But others wouldn't do that. They'd be watching, and they're picking it up, and they're drinking like this. You can't get as much water that way, but your eyes are up, and you're seeing what's going on. Only 300 of those 10,000 drank that way. And God said, that's the ones I want. He would rather have 300 with courage than 32,000 who didn't even want to be there. What could the Lord do through a church of men and women full of courage? Boy. That just baffles the mind to think about, doesn't it? Imagine an entire congregation of men and women and children who love God and are courageous and said, I'm going to stand for what's right. I'm going to live for my God. I've given you the tools, courage. I've showed you what it's about. But before I close, I want to ask you, not to do something with this courage because I know people who use courage to build walls. We've built enough walls, brethren. We don't need to build any more walls. We need to build bridges. Take this tool and use it to build a bridge. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are just so blessed. As I think about the Choctaw Church here and just what a great congregation it is, and I know the men who shepherd this congregation, they're good men, they love you. I know the ministers well, I know the deacons, I know the teachers. Uh, What a blessing it is to be here. And God, I know each member feels the same way. But God, there are so many around us who don't even know what a, a nugget, what a jewel this is right here in their midst. There's people who live in the houses that surround us that don't know about you. God, help us to get out of ourselves, to have courage to get out and to build a bridge to others, to encourage others to come to know you. God, we're so thankful that you have inspired us with the examples that we read about in the Bible.
you give us strength and courage. And so, God, help us to, to tap into that and help us to encourage one another. Help us to be mindful in our fellowship time of those who are maybe hurting, who are down, who need your strength and your encouragement. God, please work through us to inspire them. And God, I pray that as a result of our time being here together tonight, that we will be inspired to want to serve you in a greater way. Thank you for loving us so much. God, as we think about the amazing grace that we received, the salvation that we received, we're thankful for that. And God, I pray that you would help us to never let a day go by that we don't think about how we've been saved. We've been rescued from a life. I know, Father, I'd shudder to think where I would be had I not been rescued by you, had I not received the cleansing blood of your son. I don't even want to know what my life would be like now. God, I'm so grateful for my salvation. God, help me and help my brothers and sisters here tonight. Help us to also seek to share what we have with others. Help us not to be stingy with the gospel and stingy with the love and the grace that we've received, but to let others know that they can have the same thing. Your son means so much to us, and our our faith means so much to us as well. God, I pray that you'd bless this series, bless the the next speakers, these Wednesday night speakers. So glad for this this summer series, and I just pray that you would help us to uh, think about not just the local congregation, but the kingdom worldwide, how we might expand it. I pray for your kingdom. I pray that it will grow and that we will be rejuvenated to want to serve you in a mighty way. God, help us to be prepared for whatever is down the road. We don't know. We weren't prepared for some things in the past, and it really caught us off guard. Help us to be prepared. Help us to have the strength that we need of our faith to endure whatever Satan has in store for us in the future. And God, be with us and guide us. Thank you again for your amazing grace and your love and your patience with us as we strive to serve you. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. All right, I got one more piece of business before that bell rings. This right here is an engine cylinder honer. You put it on a drill, you put it in the cylinder, and you spin it around. So that's what that is. So you're dismissed a little early. <laughs>